0: For all of Gabriel's show dates and ticket links, go to GabrielRutledge.com. Or don't. If you would like to support this podcast by subscribing for $5 a month, click the Substack link in the episode notes. You won't get any extra episodes, but Gabriel will think warm thoughts about you. And now it's time for the, the drive home with Gabriel Rutledge. Play the royalty free hip hop music. <laughs> Here's your host, Gabriel. La 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 la. La 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 la. All right, good. I never start a podcast without doing my vocal warm ups. I'm i uh, I'm near Grant's Pass right now on the drive home. Uh, left Medford. earlier than I wanted to, but still later than I thought I was going to. Let's clap one more time for your host, Nick. Can we do that? And uh, one more round of applause for my new friend Dave over there. It it wasn't Dave hilarious. His first time in Oregon, and he barely made it across the fucking border. (laughs) Next trip, Grant's Pass. Did you say it's only 30 miles? That's why they fucking laughed, lady. It's gonna be a long show for you if we have to explain every single thing I say. I know, I appreciate that. Sometimes I could use that, someone to explain why the joke was funny. He he barely made it across the border. It's 30 miles from here, so what he's saying is that's not very funny. You guys, you might have seen me on Comedy Central or Amazon Prime, but more likely in this fucking room. Uh, I keep coming here, because it's the best hotel, sports bar, restaurant, pool hall, slot machine place I've ever worked. Could we cram a few more things in? Here? Is there bowling? Could we put bowling in the parking lot? Is the check engine light on? in my Kia Rio. Yeah, it fucking is. Why would you bring that up? You know I'm not happy about that. I had to decide if you listen to the podcast, you know, I mean, regularly, you know. It's a weird thing to say if you listen to the podcast. If you're you're hearing this, you're listening, so congratulations. I hope you make better choices the rest of the day. A few months ago, I had to, uh, decide whether or not I wanted to drop I think it was about $3,500 into my Kia Rio. A 2015 Kia Rio with 155,000 miles. And I debated with myself whether or not uh You know, should I just get a new car? I really don't want a car payment. All right, fine. I'll spend all this money. Uh, And then uh, almost immediately after that happened, uh, the check engine light came back on. Oh, that was gross. I just ran over a not-quite-dead squirrel. I didn't hit it, but my car went over it. That was disgusting. evolution does a lot but one of its problems is it moves too slow I mean thousands and thousands and millions of years of evolution millions? that might be too many but animals still can't figure out cars you know whatever whatever that biological safety mechanism is that makes, you know, a deer drinking out of a creek cock its head up and go like, oh, did I hear something? Danger. Whatever that is does not translate to the highway. Evolution made a squirrel fast as hell and able to climb trees and jump through trees to avoid predators. Then they get to the side of the freeway and they're like, yeah, I think I could try. Anyway, had all this work done on my car. Got the old squirrel killing machine tuned up. Check engine light came back on, took it back in. They said, oh, it's the knock sensor, which is one of the things we replaced. So we'll put a new one in, under warranty, that's nice, that was, uh, you know, that was like last week, and then on this trip, on the way down, light came back on, if I was a squirrel, I would have walked in front of a truck, I called, uh, I called my car guy, and he's, you know, I made another appointment, and I said, if it's the knock sensor, again, a thing I'd never heard of in my entire life. Until, uh you know a month ago I mean is it is it really bad to be driving around is it gonna like ruin my engine or whatever and he's like no you'll be fine it's just you know your uh, mileage might be a little worse so okay fine take it back in get my school a hard knock sensor fixed again I don't know why it didn't get fixed the previous two times. Clearly, something's happening. And then I'm like, well, maybe my mechanic doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Well, it's only under warranty there, so I'm not taking it anywhere else. Same reason I'm still married. Other ladies won't accept competitor's coupons. I was at Chadwick's in Medford, Oregon. I've been there so many times. I'd say the last seven times I've been there, I thought I shouldn't do this gig anymore. And it's not that it's a terrible gig, it's fine. It's not an amazing gig, but it's not terrible. But it just, it doesn't pay that well. For a six hour drive, it doesn't pay that well. squirrel pox the reason I keep doing it is the booker books a lot of other things and those all pay better for the most part that's how I went to the Middle East same booking agent so it's kind of like one of those things where I'm like oh alright I'll do this if it includes the other stuff if you throw me a Christmas party but yeah it's just not You know, like my act right now. I've got some new stuff, which means old stuff has to go. But I'm, like, kind of in between because I'm not... I haven't decided what stuff to let go. And I, you know, I'm a little... My act is in between. It's always in between. But it's always, like, you know, they're like, do 45 minutes or longer if you want. And I did... Each night, I did, like, an hour and eight minutes I don't, that's too long. I don't need to do that. But I'm like, I have, I'm in between acts a little bit. I got a bunch of new, not that much, but I got some new stuff and I'm still doing too much of the old stuff. And that's how I feel about my career right now. It's how I always feel about my career, but especially right now where it's like, you know, I'm going from A sports bar attached to a hotel in Medford, Oregon. Tomorrow, I fly to New York City to work the Comedy Cellar for a couple days. And then my next gig is Angel of the Winds Casino in Arlington, Washington, which actually does pay days in, but it's always this old life, new life thing, you know, I, I, starting to work all these clubs in Vegas that pay really well. I work a lot of clubs that pay pretty decent, but I'm still going to fucking Medford. This month got away from me. I'm doing way too many things this month and, you know, that's part of the reality of, you know, I I got when I got past at the Comedy Cellar it was like, I'm going to have to make some trips out there they're going to cost me money and they're going to cost me time away from my family But I'm gonna try and do it anyway. And this this month, is, I'm doing it this month, and I'm like, oh yeah, this this hurts a little, because even besides that, it's just a crazy month. Wisconsin, Minneapolis, Glendale, Arizona, New York City, a couple of shows in Oregon, and then a bunch of a bunch of like Seattle area one nighters is really the thing that makes my month too busy when I get back from a trip, but then Monday night I have a gig and Tuesday night I have a gig, but you know, there's some economic realities. I did say no to a show last week which is hard for me to do that's hard for me to do I could have done it it's like oh I got this chance look if it paid a thousand bucks or something okay 500 I probably would have said yes but it didn't but you know it was okay but it was like oh some sort of 30 minutes at some private event I was already flying back from Arizona and I just go no I can't I'm sorry I can't this month is too nuts I can't cram one more thing in there But I can't even tell you psychologically the inner turmoil it gives me to say no to a gig I technically could have done. And that's just years of of constant borderline desperation of filling a calendar as a uh, professional road comic. I don't also write for a TV show. I don't also have a podcast that pays me a ton of money. It does pay me some money. Thank you. Several people will give me five bucks a month. I don't have like a giant streaming income. I don't, I make a little bit of money from like YouTube, but not a lot, which means I have to, I have to constantly keep doing shows constantly. I'm doing a show in Kirkland, Washington. I think. I don't remember when it is. It's a Tuesday night. I don't want to do it. It's not a good gig. There's bar chatter, there's people playing pool. I don't want you to go. I'm going to say that right now if you're listening. I don't want you to go. But when it was offered to me six months ago, I'm like, yeah, I should probably say yes. I'll take money on a Tuesday. And I guess I still do because it's like I'm I'm going to New York City and losing money. I got to make some of it back when I get home on a Tuesday in Kirkland. I mean, it does pay to do sets at the Comedy Cellar. I think it's 75 a set. I don't know how to get paid yet. I don't know how to do anything yet. I have uh, I have a couple sets at the actual Comedy Cellar Comedy Cellar, and then I have one at the Village Underground, which also is the same ownership, but it's around the corner, and I have one at the uh, Fat Black Pussycat. Yeah, I'm not entirely comfortable saying the name of that business either, but That's around the other corner. Never even been in the buildings, but I'll I'll figure it out. It's interesting because I have, uh, I don't know, I I think fear of success is uh, not entirely accurate as to what my problem is, but it's a little bit of that. It's, It's not that I don't want success. It's not that I've When I've gotten opportunities, I've, uh, squandered them or turned them down because I'm like, Oh, that will make me successful. And I don't want to do that, but I, there's something, there's something that I have to fight. There's something where I just want to do what I always do because it's comfortable I'll go to Medford. I always go to Medford. I'll walk to this restaurant I usually go to. I'll stay in the hotel that I always stay in that's attached to the venue. It's comfortable. Even if it's a place I've never been before. Even if it's a new club that's still somewhat in my comfort zone. times in my life I've been around agents and managers and stuff, which is very minimal. But like when I, when I won the Laughing School Festival in 2017, you know, every, I talked to three or four managers. They gave me their card, call me tomorrow or call me Monday. I called all of them. None of them got back to me. But my point is partly when they didn't get back to me, I was relieved. going down a hill, right? I'm going down a mountain right now. So I don't think that's my knock sensor. That's just a little Oregon freeway. So what is that? That's what would you call that? What psychological, uh, not disorder, but what, what weakness is that in me where I talk to a, someone interested in managing me? It doesn't happen, and my first reaction is relief. Oh, thank God! I can just go back to the life I know. And so I'm really, I'm really fighting that right now with this, uh, with recent things in my life. It's not comfortable. It's not comfortable for me to go to New York City and like lose money. It's not comfortable for me to uh, stay at my friend Juan Carlos's house in New York City. Juan Carlos listens to this podcast sometimes. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. That's uncomfortable for me. I reached out to someone else I know who works at a comedy club in New York City that's not the seller. I don't know him that well, but I reached out and I'm like, hey, I'm trying to do some other sets and nothing seems to have happened yet. But that, that's very uncomfortable from me to try to work other places in New York City. There's a satellite radio show uh, I listen to called Bennington. I know someone who's on it all the time. Uh, I talked to her years ago, and she's like, if you're ever in New York, I bet they'd have you on, blah, blah, blah. Years ago she said that to me. I emailed her like last week. Hey. (laughs) You know, blows dust. Dust from last Facebook message conversation we had. Hey, remember when you said years ago, you might be able to help me get on Bennington? That was really uncomfortable for me. I'm doing like all these really uncomfortable things. I'm trying to like, you know, Dr. Phil (laughs) is full of shit. It's pretty well established. I mean, anyone who. I mean, he used to sell weight loss products that I think got shut down for being bullshit. But we should have known it was bullshit because he's overweight. Any overweight person who's selling you weight loss products. But I guess he learned from Oprah. But anyway, the point is one of those Dr. Philisms that stuck with me. If if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've already got. And look, I don't mind what I've already got. But I am aware that I should have gone out of my comfort zone a little bit more in my comedy life. Maybe personal life, but at least comedy life. I should have been a little more annoying. I should have been a little bit more of like Asked people for help who could help me instead of just being like keep my head down and you know. I mean don't get me wrong, I email people constantly, I constantly trying to you know, like I said, fill my calendar. That's not entirely comfortable either, but I'm used to it. But what is that? What what is what am I afraid of? The part of me that like after I get passed at the Comedy Cellar, the part of me, it's a smaller part of me, but the part of me that just goes, okay, I got passed, but who cares? It was a fun night. I can always say I'm passed at the Comedy Cellar, but let's never go back. What is that? Why is that a part of me? By the way, I got booked in Vegas at the Comedy Cellar too, and uh, so that's exciting. Also pays better than I thought, which is even more exciting, especially because I'm all, I'm doing, you know, they run the Vegas comedy cellar, like the New York one, which is like five people doing 15 minute sets, I think, so, uh, yeah, I'm very excited about doing, uh, I'm very excited about my Vegas comedy life, because I'm up, now I'm up to three clubs, uh... You know, working on a fourth and some of these clubs that I can go to more than once a year or at least once a year that's good that's good they're long weeks that's a problem seven days but as long as I don't book Kirkland on the Tuesday when I get home I should be fine so I don't know what that I don't know what that weird fear of success thing is I don't know because I'm not when I think about what success would look like will look like. I'm certainly not scared of that. I'm certainly not like, oh, if I could make a lot more money than I do now, that would be terrible. Or if I got to do better clubs than I do now, how awful would that be? Or if I got to make some television or streaming service appearances, how awful would that be? None of those things sound awful. They all sound great. But I, it's probably, you know, I've been to counseling. It's probably family of origin shit. I just wasn't raised to be special. <laughs> not in the way that like, you know, my parents were very loving to me. Uh Not that they ever said, you're not special. But I just mean, it's not a very Rutledge family trait to, uh, Expect exceptionalism or expect uh, great things to come your way or to even wish for good luck. It's not really a family trait. But I'm trying. Yeah, I'm 48 years old, so it's probably too late, but I'm trying. Medford is crazy. I don't know. What the fuck, lady? <laughs> you left the baby in the car? You <laughs> <Windows, Windows up>. left <laughs> This is the most Medford response from the crowd. Fucking so? It's not even winter. The end of September is prime leave your baby in the car weather. <laughs> That's all right. This club told me to keep going until everyone leaves. There's people in Medford who you're like... There's a lot of people in Med- Medford from other places. Like, I feel like they moved there because they had to get out of somewhere else. Like they're hiding there. Just nutty people. And some great ones, don't get me wrong, but it's like, I don't know. We were having, I, well, we were having a conversation after the show. Me, what the other comedian, we were talking to this couple, having a great time. Talking about how in Ashland, there's a new cult. Ashland, Oregon is like a little south of uh, Medford. Just chatting away. Sipping a drink or two. And then at one point, uh, the lady of the couple just stands up and throws up in her hands, just barfed in her own hands. Like, uh Oh, like what the fuck? Okay. Party's over, but it wasn't like I wouldn't have been having a conversation with her if she was acting like she was about to throw up. She seemed fine. And then just like, uh uh-oh. Jesus, Medford. Get your shit together. And then the husband didn't even react, really. He's just like, oh, Friday night. Time to head home. The old lady barfed in her hands again. TGIF. D I H thank God it's Friday barf in our hands. Alright. Uh, I'm not I'm not leaving yet. Are we alright I can go a little late, right? We're alright, okay. Uh, yeah, questions? Oh, God. You're fine, you raised your hand, I'm a good teacher. I just wanted to know how many kids do you have? took the last joke off. (laughs) I literally just did a joke about how I have three (laughs) children. It's okay. It's all right. What's that? Oh, you were wondering if it was real. You heard the joke. You thought I was lying. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, this is a comedy show. You know what? I'll be honest. I'll be honest. Uh, This just turned into a podcast. I'll be honest. I would say my act is the truth exaggerated. It's the truth exaggerated, but I'm not, I'm not making up that I have a wife. I'm not making up that I have three children. I mean, you know, the facts are all there. They also weren't all born on purpose. Who would lie about such a dumb thing? (laughs) (laughs) It's actually way crazier to make everything up. (laughs) If you think about it, like if after the show, I admitted to you that I didn't have to put my shit in a box and mail it to my doctor. (laughs) You would be like, you're insane. Who would make that up? Uh, I have things for sale after the show. Uh, low pressure. This is, no, this is the truth. I have, I have things for sale after the show. We don't want You don't want? No, no, I'm not selling my children. Man, 53 minutes in, we fucking hit the wall, didn't we? just joke, laugh, joke, laugh, and they're like, TIME FOR QUESTIONS! Who's texting me? Son of a... Xfinity? Ah! Xfinity is texting me to let me know I'm uh, late on my payment. Well, it's not late, Xfinity, because this is how I know it's due, when you text me. You know our system, don't be coy. I never do automatic payment if I can help it. (laughs) Actually, I think I have, like my insurance, our insurance is automatic payment, Uh, but like whatever, water bill, power, light bill, cable bill, even our mortgage none of those do I do like no I'll just take it out the same day every month because I am a professional comedian and my months don't work that way I could make six grand in the first two weeks and make $38 the next two so no Xfinity, you don't get an automatic payment. Just let me know when it's past due and then I'll pay you, alright? Last week, uh, I was uh, talking about being the host of the San Francisco Comedy Competition. Remember that episode? Oh man, we had some good times. Oh, we were just kids a week ago, you know? Yes, the famed San Francisco comedy competition that Robin Williams was runner-up in. That Dana Carvey won. That Sinbad won. That Ellen DeGeneres won. No, I couldn't tell you anyone who's won it in the past five years, but Chris Higgins won this year. I think that's right. I announced his name. Chris Higgins? Yeah, congrats to him. Very funny dude. Wait, Riggins, not Higgins, Chris Riggins. My apologies to Chris and the entire Riggins family. Chris Riggins, who's hilarious. But there's one, after I recorded, we did one more show uh, at the San Francisco Comedy Competition. And uh, it was kind of an eventful one. There's a thing in the, in the Seattle contest and the San Francisco contest where, you know, they've been going for so long. Look, the Seattle one's a little less prestigious, you know what I mean? We don't have those quite the same list of names. You know, the San Francisco people, it's like the more famous names are like, have gone on to be household names and Seattle, the more famous names have gone on to host the San Francisco Comedy Competition. Twenty years later, Mitch Hedberg won the Seattle one. I mean, he did. He did a couple of other things too, but but there's something because uh, it's so long. It's so long. There's like sixteen com- There's two preliminary weeks, sixteen in each week. Top five of those sixteen go to the semifinals which is 10. Of those 10, five go to the finals. And each week has like four or five shows. or So it's long as hell, man. It's three full weeks of shows by the time you're done if you go all the way. So there's a thing people call the snap set. Which, uh, you know, the way the math works, it's you get to drop your lowest score. But a lot of times going into the last night, there are of any of the weeks going into the last night of any of the weeks there are several people who know mathematically they are not going to advance they are not going to win or advance and then sometimes like going into the last night of of the week I was just toasting uh, the winner knew they already won mathematically even if they got fifth for the night they were going to mathematically win I mean, we didn't tell the crowd that. They still need to think there's something on the line. The year I won Seattle back in 2004. What? Uh, there were six shows in the finals. And, uh, you know, like I said, five people in the finals. So I, there were six shows in the finals. I got first, 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 fifth, fifth. That's what you call stumbling over the finish line. But I still won. But anyway, the snap set tends to happen when people know they're mathematically eliminated so they're like, fuck it, I'm going to do something weird or crazy and, and inter, interestingly, interestingly? Why am I, that's like a new word to me all of a sudden, inter, interestingly, oddly, uh, a lot of the times, people's sets. they end up doing really well. Like, that'll be the night they place really well or something. Because it's just a different, loose, I don't give a shit energy that would probably be beneficial to have at the beginning of the comedy competition. But sometimes it goes bad. And uh, that's what we're here to talk about. I'm not going to say his name. I actually like the guy. Had a great chat with him. What's weird about it is... He knew he wasn't going to win. But second through fourth place were all up for grabs. And the difference between fourth and second is $1,000 of prize money. So there's something on the line. So it was kind of weird to like have a snap set. Because it wasn't like he'd been having a terrible week. He had some good shows. He had some bad shows. You know, most of the demographic is sort of rich older white people. We're doing wineries. We're doing uh, theaters. You know, most theaters aren't like filled with 27 year olds. Uh, He had, you know, he was the youngest guy in the contest. He had a lot of material about, about being bisexual. Like he had a much higher degree of difficulty just based on his premises than other people. He was doing great. I think he's only been doing comedy five years or something. And so at first he, <coughs> he, he said if this doesn't go well from the beginning, I might do some weird shit. And we're like, okay, sounds good. He had a shirt that he had bought that day from Walmart that still had the tag on it. And so when he was on stage, he mentioned that he had bought the shirt from Walmart and it still had the tag on it and he was going to return it the next day. And then he took the shirt off. He's like, I got to preserve it so I can take it back. He took the shirt off and then just kept doing his act, which was pretty funny. At this point, it was all fun. Just a dude with no shirt And then it kind of, it kind of took a turn, uh, again, I think some people thought it was a character the whole time, some people in the audience, but it kind of turned into like, fuck you guys for not laughing, you guys all suck, you old sons of bitches, uh, you know, I feel like there's 300 of my racist grandpa staring at me right now, and, Uh, so it was a very, it was a very, it's a very strange night during a comedy competition where the comedian is repeatedly telling the crowd they suck and fuck you. And then, you know, like I said, what, uh, when I'm at, well, the host has to like be in charge of the encore point, which is like, if the crowd goes nuts for 10 seconds, I give him the, come take a bow. I gave him the encore point. I probably shouldn't have, but there was definitely some people in the crowd who wanted him to have it because it was kind of fun. It was like loose and like not what you were expecting. You don't expect someone with money on the line to come out and be like, fuck you guys, I hate you. But I didn't even see this. But apparently when I gave him, come out and take a bow, uh, apparently he just came out with birds flying, just Flipping off the whole crowd. Let's take them out. Do we all have to take our shirts off You guys, how about a round of applause for all time you guys. A it's a long-ass show. I appreciate it.
1: Uh, I just had my, uh, my 25th
0: wedding anniversary. Yeah, I appreciate that. I'm, I'm calling her after the show and be like, tonight, they gave a shit. Tell me what you really did. I don't know what that means. You love your You love your wife. You Did you. I say I didn't love my wife? I was saying like an, Now I'm defensive. Yeah, what'd <laughs> you hear? what were the flowers? Why are you not so no, i like <laughs> you said it, sir. I was about You know what, this room can use a tension breaker. So thank on. <laughs> Check out here, you little pedagogy. I think we can admit that as a group. We <laughs> didn't know there was an We were ready for that. <laughs> and then I tried to break the tension by <laughs> being thinking like, there was my wedding anniversary. <laughs> and one brave woman was like, Not today. <laughs> So, the producer of the contest again, the shit's all secret, don't tell anybody the producer of the contest (sighs) while I'm on stage doing jokes because usually what they do is, uh, you know, I bring I bring five people not just me, whoever the host is on the last show has to bring the order of finish for the night and then they leave the stage and then it's order of finish for the entire comedy competition. Here's our new champion, blah, blah, blah. I did it last year in Seattle and literally the producer of the contest, John Fox, he literally like part of, he, he made me read how much money everyone was winning as part of the, you know what I mean? It was like in fifth place with, I don't remember what the money was, $1,500, you know, So that's what I thought was going to happen while I was on stage. And then I see someone over in the corner, which lets me know, like, okay, I can I can wrap up my uh, hilarious comedy musings and uh, they'll give me the score sheets and I'll announce the winner and everything. But I go over there and uh, they just whisper in my ear, just announce... Chris as the winner of tonight and as the winner of the whole contest. That's all we're going to announce. And I was like, what? Alright, right, um, we got got some scores? Okay, Okay. hold on. See your team, hold on. Here's what we're gonna do. Uh, we are. I'm. I'm going to announce uh, the winner of tonight's show, and I am going to announce the winner of the entire festival. Okay. By the way, just to let you guys know, this is the 46th San Francisco Comedy Competition. He's not out here. But round of applause for the producer John Fox. Who makes this happen. The very first one, uh, you know, there, if you look over the history uh, of this comedy competition, uh, some of the winners are, you know, Dana Carvey won this comedy competition. Uh, Robin Williams was runner-up. Like this, there's, there's, this is a, a very uh, historic thing. This is a big deal in the world of comedy, and I'm uh, happy to announce the 2022 winner. Of the San Francisco Comedy Competition. Chris Riggins! (laughs) Which okay. I did. In some ways it's somewhat better in the way that like if you're the fifth place finisher, you don't want to trot out there and be like, Yay, last place. I mean really fifth, but for this week last place, you know. But kind of weird. So I announced the winner. It's all over. What I find out, they're still fighting. John is screaming at this guy. The producer of the festival is screaming at this guy backstage. It's like he's saying things like this is the worst performance in the history of the finals. And, uh, just, it was absolute pandemonium. And it went. it went from like... You know, like, they brought champagne to drink in the green room. Like, good job, everyone. And then instead, it had the vibe of, like, there's a big fight at Thanksgiving and there's an uncomfortable silence. Like, I didn't even go in the green room for, like, 20 minutes because Dad was arguing with one of our other children. It was such a weird... I kind of felt bad for everyone in the contest because it was such a weird, you know, such a weird find. John Fox told me the next day about uh, some of the other. David Cross really pissed him off one time because he, they were at some brewery and, or maybe it was a winery. this obviously a thousand years ago, and uh, David Cross came out like spitting the wine out, like you guys drink this shit. What swill? Just like making... I don't know. So look, I get it from a comedy producing level. Like he wants to rebook that theater for the finals next year and for, uh, you know, maybe a best of the San Francisco comedy competition show or whatever, but... uh, (laughs) From a performer's perspective, it was kind of amusing. I get you're not supposed to tell the crowd to fuck off and fly them the birds, but it was like, in a weird way, it reminded me of like, I mean, way less serious. But remember when Kramer was yelling the N-word at people? And it was like, it was like, you could just tell he got caught up in the moment of like, oh, I'm doing this. I'm doing, I'm doing something weird. It might be going weird, but I'm already committed to it. So I'm just gonna keep going. That's what it felt like for this kid. I'm calling him a kid. I think he's late 20s, but he's just like, hey, I committed to doing this weird thing. I'm gonna stick it out. (laughs) Oh boy, I hope everyone's fine. I just hope both teams have fun. But yeah, I announced, I announced the winner of the contest. I walk off stage and I hear like, you know what? I don't want to give you your fucking check. How about I mail you your check? I don't want to give you any money right now. <laughs> he gave him his check. I mean, in 2006, when I got ninth place in the San Francisco comedy competition. I mean, I definitely wanted to have a snap set, but I didn't, it's weird to to be around those contests or whatever, even like, you know, when Sinbad won the San Francisco comedy competition, no one was like, oh my God, Sinbad won, they're like, I just saw this hilarious guy, he had some one, one name, it was like a pirate's name, anyway, he was hilarious, he wasn't Sinbad yet, or Dana Carvey wasn't Dana Carvey yet, or pick a name, And so that kind of happens on a smaller level. Just, you know, that year I got ninth in San Francisco. It was like, there's still, there's a lot of guys that are still... Mikey Winfield was just on America's Got Talent. He's done really well. Mo Mandel's done really well. I was only six years into comedy then, but I think all these guys were like three or four. A guy I did, uh, a, a fellow finalist in the... Uh, Laughing School Comedy Festival in Atlanta. Uh, Michael Longfellow—he just got hired at SNL, Saturday Night Live—and he's a heterosexual white guy. So I'm assuming he must be fucking hilarious. Should I have said that? I don't care. He was funny. He was He was like—I think he was 23, 24 in 2017 it was like so young and you know I just won and so I was all like high and I thought I was about to get a manager and get on the tonight show and so we're taking this uber I remember talking to a young Michael Longfellow and I was like man you're so young and you're so good already it's unbelievable Blah, blah. and he's just like <laughs> and he just starts laughing he's like alright grandpa and I'm like god damn it you're right fuck you I meant to say fuck you eat jet- shit But yeah, it's weird. If you're around comedy long enough, you just bump into a bunch of people who do a bunch of shit later. So congrats to my good, close, personal friend, Michael Longfellow. That would be scary, though. I mean, talk about having to struggle with... <laughs> Maybe, I don't know, fear of success is the right word, but the just... When your world expands to a level you're not comfortable with. It must be terrifying to get hired by Saturday Night Live. Amazing, but terrifying. Just like, oh, I gotta be funny. Also, I have to go do a bunch of shit that's not funny because that's part of the job too. Especially if you've watched in recent years. But you know, that competitive... I only say this because I've read a couple of uh, autobiographies from Saturday Life people, but just, you know, everyone's in the room pitching their skits, and it's this big battle to get your stuff on the air and keep your job, and no, thank you. I'll just do Chadwick's and Medford again. wild about my little town of Olympia, Washington. I don't think I talked about this yet, but like, uh... Man, by the way, just... My daughter went to, uh, homecoming dance last night. At Olympia High School. Home of the Bears. Wow. Wait, is that what a bear says? That was more of a cougar. I don't growl, that's, anyway, and that was one of those moments where I'm just like, man, life sneaks up on you, because, you know, she's all, uh, dressed up in a fancy dress, and you're like, fuck, you were, aren't you four, why are you, you're like a woman, what the fuck happened? about singing Neil Young songs is like you can have a bad voice and still capture the spirit of Neil Young's actual bad voice. Anyway, Olympia High School, that's what I was thinking about. So this was a month or so ago. Uh, All the Olympia High School people and Facebook Thurston County stuff is like, hey, there is a missing kid, a missing high school student plays for the football team. Uh, they found his car. They found his cell phone in the car. And there's a little bit of blood in the car, but the kid is missing. So everyone's like, obviously, you know, if you've seen him, any information, blah, blah, blah. I'm looking at these, uh, Facebook groups and, you know, obviously everyone's like, you know, Thoughts and prayers, and hope he's found safe. And so, then the next day, or maybe two days, but I think it was the next day. Update from the sheriff's department: uh, kid has been found. Family asks for privacy during this time. And you're like, wait, what? Okay. All the comments, thank Jesus, God answers prayer. Whatever, of course. The next day, kid has been charged with murder. What? Yeah, he he apparently killed his mom's boyfriend. Him and another kid. Obviously, you know, innocent until proven guilty, all that. We don't know the details. But, like, what a wild turn. And I'm going to be honest. It wasn't those people's fault, but all those uh, thank you Jesus for answering prayer people on Facebook looked a little stupid. (laughs) Because they weren't praying for the murder suspect to be found. but holy shit that's like I mean this will be like one of those Dateline NBC shows where like that guy with gray hair with that weird voice is like Olympia, Washington small town the kind of town where everyone's kids seem to know each other so how did this missing teen turn into murder? So yeah, pretty fucked up. Some high school kid, uh, allegedly uh, murdered someone. Which is so wild. Perhaps more information will come out, but man. Man. The kid went missing last week they found him I don't know what happened but I don't think he'd been missing long enough it was like some grandma who's like I haven't seen Junior in four hours but anyway that was all over Facebook too and I noticed no one was commenting and I think everyone thought the same thing well I hope this kid's not out there killing somebody could this Sleepy South Sound town have two teenage murderers. Everyone has theories right away too. Apparently, there's another missing person that went missing in a similar area years ago, and they're like, they never caught the guy. This is gonna keep happening. Then the next day, it was like charged with murder. I'm like, well, your theory fell apart. <laughs> It's amazing to me uh, the things people will publicly comment just a thought you would have in your head. you're like I should people need to know this. People are leaving comments like the sheriff's department is wondering what to do. They're like they should talk to every house in the area of the that they found the car to find out if anyone's seen him like oh good idea, great idea. Like the Thurston County Sheriff is going to put down his phone after viewing Facebook and be like, God damn it, why didn't I think of that? Let's talk to people in the area. How come people only request privacy during bad times? No one's ever like, man, shit's going really well right now, but I would still like to request privacy for my family during this great time. If shit gets worse, you know, we'll talk, but while things are going good, let's not fuck it up. All right, let's call that a podcast. Don't come see me in Kirkland. I got a ton of other uh, shows everywhere in the world except where you live.